Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. I hope everyone is having a wonderful Wednesday. It's almost the weekend. You guys are almost there. I promise you, you're going to make it. Uh, Stokes to have you guys in the chat tonight, man. Seriously. Uh, I know the shows have been few and far between. Uh, like I said, so, something just keeps coming up. I was supposed to have Heiss on the show last week, and he's got some stuff going on, so he's not going to be able to come till next week. And we've had to reschedule James Gentleman three times, and uh, it's just been a problem. But we do have a great show for you guys tonight. I'm very excited about this one. Of course, let's start off with some sponsors. We have TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get all kinds of great hand-drawn uh, tees, hats, shirts, backpacks, hoodies, uh, this great Break the Cycle pillow that you can put on your couch to be styling and wiling. Uh, and you can get all of that stuff at a 10% discount by using BTC at checkout at toplobster.com. Good stuff. Definitely check it out. Or you can join the Patreon, subscribe star, or become a member of the YouTube channel under all of my videos by hitting the join link where you can get into a private Discord server and get up to uh, 30% off of all of his new gear two weeks before it goes to the general public. Uh, plus, you'll be helping me travel to state conventions. As you guys know, I'm traveling to state conventions right now on the weekends when I can. Uh, and so the more money we raise, the more states we can get to, uh, the better chance we have of becoming the next vice chair of the Libertarian National Committee. Uh, good stuff. So help me out if you can. And of course, executive producers of the show, AnthemPlanning.com, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. Seriously, when you're done with the show, go check them out if you own a business. I promise you it will be helpful. Uh, guys, we got a great show for you tonight. As I said, if you've been watching, there's been some crazy shit going on with y with Yal, uh, Young Americans for Liberty. Um, this is an outlet that I've been a uh, fan of, um, you know, and, and, and as, as somebody who sits on the Libertarian National Committee, I've gotten a lot of shit uh, for supporting Yal and going to Yal conventions and stuff like that uh, because they support Republicans. But they try to support uh, Liberty Republicans and, uh, and even some Libertarians, uh, if you can believe that. I've seen them actually support some Libertarians. So when I saw this stuff going on, of course, it kind of it hit close to home for me because I'm a, a big fa fan of Yal. And, uh, you know, Reed Cooley, my guest tonight, he's been, uh, he, you know, we've been following each other for a while. We've talked and um, I saw something going on and he reached out to me and, and let me know what was going on. So uh, former vice president of communications over at Young Americans for Liberty and uh, and uh, policy fellow at the Independent Institute, Mr. Reed Cooley. How are you doing tonight, sir? Hey, Joshua. Thanks for having me. I'm good. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, man, it's been it's been uh, it's been pretty crazy, dude. It's been cra pretty crazy, I know, and and I want to get into it. But before that, uh, when people come on my show, usually we start off talking about uh, your journey to liberty and all that great stuff. I'm, I'm sure it had something to do with Ron Paul, uh, as most of our most of our generation did. But uh, why don't you tell us how you came to these ideas of liberty, sir? Sure. So it actually I began with Young Americans for Liberty uh, about uh, 2014, 2015. I started getting more involved uh, with my Yale chapter uh, at the Baylor University. Uh, here in Waco, Texas. Uh, yeah, but, yeah um, um, Sikkim Bears uh, started uh, there. Um, I double majored in anthropology and history uh, whenever I was at Baylor, and I actually began my career as an archaeologist. Uh, but I did I did several archaeological projects and decided that uh, the fight for liberty was a lot more important and that uh, archaeology uh, made a phenomenal hobby, made a really uh, terrible career. Sure. Uh, so I decided to get out of archaeology as quickly as I could. I uh, get into a much more important fight, which I felt was uh, was the fight for liberty. Uh, so uh, uh, once I sort of jumped ship from, from a career in archaeology uh, to a career in politics, I got in touch with a couple of people uh, at Young Americans for Liberty. They put me in touch with some campaigns happening within the YAL sphere. Uh, I worked on uh, several uh, campaigns before being invited uh, to come work for YAL in a full-time uh, communications capacity uh, there in late 2018. And uh, I'll be sure and save the rest of it for the rest of the show. Sure. Absolutely. And so, and so when we talked prior, I knew, I knew that you were like high up in communications for, for young Americans for Liberty. Cause you guys had retweeted me a few times and you had reached out to me, talked to me a little bit about my show and stuff like that. And, and in other capacities as well, but I had no idea that you, you basically everything, uh, any kind of communication at young Americans Liberty for Liberty basically came through you. Correct. Uh, that's correct. I will say it was a team effort. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, the entirety of the communications and marketing apparatus that people see at Young Americans for Liberty today, uh, that's to say everything from social media to TV to radio, podcasts, op-eds, press releases, targeted ad campaigns. Um, I was the architect of all of that. I mean, I, I built all of it. I brought on good people uh, who could help me execute and actually, you know, roll up their sleeves and do the hard work it took to build that with me. 
but uh, you know, it was uh, the, the communications department, um, which includes the social media uh, presence that I seem to get so many compliments about, even though I'm no longer there. Um, you know, that was uh, that was something that, that I built over a period of uh, of over three years. Now, that's not to say that there wasn't uh, communications at Yale uh, before I got there, but whenever it came to a lot of the systems, the protocols, the procedures, the metrics, all of that that were put in place about communications and really building a uh, share of voice uh, and, and brand recognition for young Americans for Liberty. Um, all of that was my creation. So um, I had, uh, I had several vendors and three full-time staffers uh, that worked for me uh, in different capacities. So yes, I think it's accurate to say that uh, pretty much everything from social media to earned media uh, did in one fashion or another kind of come through me. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and before we get into this, this conversation heavy, cause we're going to, we're going to get into this conversation heavy. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot to go over. Uh, when, we, when we talked on the phone, you were going and going and going. I was like, Hey, 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 let's just do this on the show. It's going to be a lot better if you're, if you're willing to be public, but, uh, young Americans for Liberty started out as young Americans for Ron Paul. Uh, students for Ron students Paul. For Ron Paul. Uh, that's right. correct. Yeah, it was founded in 2008 as a Students for Ron Paul. So this is a this is an organization that is is built to be based. I mean, straight up, it was supposed to be a based uh, Liberty outlet that that gets people elected. I mean, the the win at the door campaign was hugely successful. Um, I, I followed it very closely. You know, I I've been friends with a lot of people that have worked with y'all. Uh, I won't go into too many names right now because there's just some there's some other drama. But uh um. Why don't you talk to me about uh, what you think y'all is supposed to be before we get into the, this conversation on your your uh, happenings with the new uh, president? Well, I think that uh, you just said it. Young Americans for Liberty uh, was really established to be the force for a libertarian uh, for libertarianism that America needed uh, all the way back in 2008 uh, as students for Ron Paul. Um, I can tell you that, uh, you know, probably my favorite piece of libertarian literature it happens to be a book called For a New Liberty by Murray Rothbard. I would hope that at least uh, the majority of your audience has read that. Sitting on my it's shelf broken. behind me, dude. <laughs> Sitting on your shelf behind you. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, that's yeah, what absolutely. I like to hear. Always. Um, part three of it is what resonates with me the most. Obviously, it's uh, you really get the feeling Rothbard is writing from his soul sure. uh, with every single sentence and every single word. Um, this is just pure, unfettered Rothbard that you're getting. Uh, but uh, it was part three uh, titled A Strategy for Liberty that really resonated with me most. Um, and, you know, so we're talking about something that, you know, a book that came out 49 years ago, you know, just under, you know, half a century ago. Right. And as, as I'm reading uh, Rothbard's prescriptions, uh, basically his blueprint for how to achieve victory in part three uh, for a new Liberty. Um, I just felt like I, I was, I was reading something that I wanted Yao to become. Right. So, Rothbard, he talks about you know the importance of education, but he doesn't leave it at that. He's, he's obviously not a lazy intellectual by any stretch of the imagination. So um, he defines education as, as existing in two parts, uh, one part theory, the other part movement, right? He talks about how, you know, within this new libertarianism, as Rothbard describes it, you have to have a deep, profound, rich understanding uh, of the theory, but you also have to have um, really aggressive movement. And by movement, he means... Um, attempts to engage TV, radio, press releases, newspapers. He makes explicit mention of student activism there. Right. Um, he says, you know, you know, theory and movement are both vital. Um, if your if your effort to 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 achieve victory for libertarianism is missing either one of those components, then you really have something that is what he called sterile and futile. So, I mean, I was really wanting something for young Americans for liberty to <coughs> excuse me. You got, the, the you got the Rona, buddy? You all right? Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, hopefully not. I've had it one time already. I hope I, I don't get it again. I've heard you can get it again. Oh, yeah, I've had maybe it more it's than just, once. Uh, maybe it's just uh, Omicron or some other uh, you know, really harmless uh, variant. Yeah, Omicron was like, I've had worse head colds than Omicron when I had Omicron, so he'll be all right. Right. Uh, but I was just hoping that Young Americans for Liberty could be the institution that finally acted on this amazing uh, theory, this amazing strategy that, that Murray Rothbard very brilliantly laid out uh, half a century ago, right? So with a lot of the content that, that my team and I created together, I think you can sort of see a, a sort of a, a young, smart, rebellious, and, and aggressive uh, attempt to market uh, liberty through, through high-quality, hard-hitting co content, content that is unapologetically uh, libertarian. So... Um, that was just within my capacity as vice president of communications. You know, I wanted 
I wanted Young Americans for Liberty to sort to sort of house this Ron Paul meme factory, uh, you know, where we could create all these amazing things and really give uh, the Ron Paul revolution uh, the, the, the long term marketing effort uh, that it deserved. Uh, that was my dream for Young Americans for Liberty, at least within my capacity. Although I do understand Young Americans for Liberty is a policy org and uh, we needed to recognize that uh, within our capacity as the communications team. Right. But uh, I, I wanted that to be one of Yao's many weapons uh, in its arsenal in the fight against the state. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was my vision. I just wanted the sort of, you know, punk rock, uh, rebellious, uh, aggressive attempt to, to market these ideas that I believe the American people are really craving and that our movement, unfortunately, has never had. Sure, sure. So so, so y'all was created to be this wonderful, beautiful thing. And I think for a long time it was. I think it was doing a lot of really good stuff. And and, and I think you you as well as I could probably pinpoint when these matters started. And, and uh, it really takes us in. It really sets the stage for Conquest's second rule of politics, right? The, the right. any organization not explicitly right wing will eventually become left wing. Um, and and, you know, as somebody who's in the Libertarian Party, that's like trying to push back on that and has been fighting that for five years and and it's working. You know, the the, the party is definitely becoming more right wing uh, uh, economically and and uh, pushing that way for a lot of social issues as well. But um, let's let's talk. So let's talk about when, when did the problem start at Yale? First of all, you you've been let go. I want uh, yes. We we'll preface uh, it with correct. that you've been let go. Uh, but when did yeah. the problem start? Uh, so um, in January of 2021, um, Yell had a change in leadership due to some allegations of misconduct against a now former uh, CEO. Right, uh, the the organization's treatment of women uh, was brought uh, under serious question, and so a few months later, uh, the board of directors hired a, a lady named Lauren Doherty. Uh, to fill the the the, the, the vacant CEO uh, position, who was the executive um, director of the Libertarian National of par- the Libertarian Party, by the way, in case anyone's wondering, she she was she was like the development director, and then uh, when Wes Benedict, who was the executive director of the party, stepped down, she filled into that role, and then it, when Joe Bishop Henchman became chair, he ended up letting her go from that position, or she stepped down from that position right. and left, and then we were all kind of surprised to see her become the president at young Americans for Liberty, I think, because I had worked with her in the past and going, that's just not an organization for her, but please continue, continue. Yeah. So, uh, to put it bluntly, uh, whenever she came on board, that's whenever the problems began. So I had already been at young Americans for Liberty for, uh, for several years, um, you know, uh, building out, you know, this, uh, this communications department that had existed, uh, since before her, uh, to put it quite honestly, um, the problems began uh, with her. It seemed uh, almost immediately uh, whenever she came in, um, I felt like she was a very bad fit for the organization. Uh, she did not understand or appreciate, in my opinion, the values of the organization. Uh, so uh, in an all staff meet and greet uh, with Lauren uh, several weeks before uh, she actually took the position uh, of CEO, uh, she, she one of the staffers asked her, her opinion on the Federal Reserve, and she admitted in front of everybody that uh, that she uh, she didn't necessarily believe in ending the Federal Reserve. I believe she said that uh, she hadn't yet done her research on the matter. Uh, she was still kind of reading it, so she was trying to plead some sort of Socratic wisdom, a little bit of humility, if you will, uh, on the issue of the Federal Reserve and the fact that she hadn't really done a lot of research into it. But given the fact that she was about to become CEO of the organization that was founded as Students for Ron Paul. That was a red flag to me, and that was a red flag to a lot of other people. It was a red flag that I really kept to myself. Um, I decided to be professional and try to make things work with Lauren anyway, right? That was that was my goal all along. Uh, the entire time that Lauren Doherty uh, and I were both at Young Americans for Liberty was, um, I was thinking, okay, she doesn't quite understand what makes, you know, the Ron Paul brand different than libertarianism at large. Uh, but look, we, we got to try to work with her anyway. Uh, because, you know, I, I felt like a few creative differences would not have been a, a big deal. Um, but as you know, as I'll uh, elaborate on much later, um, you know, it wasn't just a few creative differences. It was uh, it was a deep and just profound um, fundamental, dis- fundamental you know, disagreement on, on even on even the basics of the Ron Paul brand. So um, it seemed really clear from the very beginning uh, that, uh, that that Lauren had every intention 
of taking the brand in a, in a new direction, a direction that I felt was very bad for the organization and very out of touch with the Ron Paul revolution, uh, as did many, many other staffers. Um, so uh, the, the, this, these 10 months of conflict between myself as a person trying to defend you know, the Ron Paul brand against what I felt like was Lauren trying to change it, this culminated in the events of last week. Uh, so it was a Monday morning, February the 7th. Um, I got a call from the board of directors. It was a very short Zoom call. And uh, they notified me that, uh, that I was being terminated for my, quote, unwillingness to follow Lauren's directives. Uh, that was the only justification uh, that I was given uh, throughout that call. Uh, translation, that means my unhappiness with having to having to abide by directives that that contradicted, you know, the, the values of the organization. Um, but within hours uh, of terminating me, um, you know, Lauren brought in none other than Dan Crenshaw's former campaign manager, a fellow named Brendan Steinhauser, uh, T.L.'s leadership team, uh, gave, him, gave him the position of chief strategy officer. Let's reflect on that for just a bit. Dan Crenshaw's campaign manager, was not just brought into the organization. This person was put in a high-ranking position from the very beginning. But this person, Mr. Brendan Steinhauser, did not just serve as Dan Crenshaw's campaign manager. In 2018, he wrote a glowing blog uh, praising uh, Dan Crenshaw for things like his courage and his leadership and all these other traits. But in more recent months, uh, Mr. Steinhauser has shown his true colors on social media, and fortunately, uh, this has started to come to light uh, thanks to the actions of, of other people uh, who are very angry with the situation. So in August 2021, uh, Mr. Steinhauser came out on Twitter numerous times as against the United States withdrawal from Afghanistan in, two, in August of 2021, against the withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan. And starting in December, Mr. Steinhauser came out numerous times in favor of military action against Russia over the continuing Ukraine crisis. I've had some people tell me that, um, oh, well, you know, we've all worked for candidates that maybe we don't necessarily agree with anymore. And we all make our way to the Ron Paul revolution through rather imperfect means. But it's different whenever those tendencies are not shed before getting here. And whenever they are put at the, at the highest level of leadership uh, inside of an organization that is supposed to be committed to, to the Ron Paul revolution. I mean, on what planet is it acceptable for this person? Um, I'll actually I'll actually quote a tweet that he shared just four days ago. So a number of days after actually taking office as Yao's chief strategy officer, um, it read, what are the odds that Russia invades Moldova after it takes over Ukraine? There are already Russian troops in Moldova, and it is the poorest nation in Europe. The country is not a part of NATO. That so this is content that this person is posting after he he's accepted a ranking position uh, at Young Americans for Liberty, and you can go to his Twitter page at b letter b Stein S T E I N eighty at b Stein eighty, and you can see this content uh, for yourself, right? Um, but you know that's what's happened. Look, um, I won't sugarcoat this, Joshua. Uh, the woke war machine has taken over students for Ron Paul. There is no questioning that at this point. And I am so tremendously sorry to just everybody across the movement that uh, that I have to be the one to share. That, I mean, just such heartbreaking news as that. Um, I can tell you and, and people who were on the inside whenever I was on the inside of Young Americans for Liberty, I fought harder than anyone else in the history of that company in most cases alone or with very few people by my side to try and prevent this outcome, this hostile takeover of young Americans for Liberty. But uh, I, I still couldn't stop it from happening. Um, it was, there was no institutional recourse uh, for me. I was just one member of the executive team. Um, I was, I was obviously outnumbered. I was having to appeal to uh, a board of directors that I felt like was, was very, unwilling to hear my side of any of these issues uh, whenever I was taking them higher up the chain. But there are people still inside Young Americans for Liberty who truly understand and believe in the Ron Paul revolution, but they're outnumbered just like I was. And 
it seems that they're still being made to feel like outsiders in their own organization. Yeah, that sucks, man. There's so many people who have have done so much work for Young Americans for Liberty, too. I mean, we're talking thousands and thousands of people. It's not not just like 25 people. I mean, you have thousands of donors, uh, thousands of people that work at their their campus for Young Americans for Liberty, uh, thousands of people that knock doors during the the win at the door campaign. I mean, it's it's a big movement. It's not not some small thing. And And I just, I don't understand how, first of all, Lauren, got the position like that. As soon as I heard that she was the the new president, it was like, you know, it had, it had me scratching my head. It almost felt like, you know, after this stuff that went down with the, the allegations prior to this, it almost felt like you had a board of directors that had it, it, to, to make up for it. They're like, well, here's a woman, you know what I mean? And it was like, and it was like, but, but this is not the, even if it's a woman, it's not, not the right woman. You know what I mean? Like you could have right. put a, you could have put a woman who, you know, held the same values and morals that the, the organization stands for, uh, in, in that position, instead of just throwing one up and being like, here you go, there's a woman, you know, we, we were not great to women. And so here you go. Um, and, 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 you know, I, and I never really got into the, the, the allegate, all the allegations. I watched the y'all, the y'all two stuff come out on Twitter. And, you know, I was supportive to some of the people that I knew personally. Um, but at the same time, it was like, I don't know anything about it outside of what I saw on Twitter. Right. Um, but it did feel very reactionary. Like the, the, right. all of a sudden Lauren is now the, the president of y'all. Uh, she had just left the Libertarian Party. I mean, she had just walked away from being the executive director. And, and you know, the staff there were not happy with her as an executive director, some some that I know personally. Um, and then to see them, you know, her go over to y- y- y'all, which is a much bigger organization than the Libertarian uh, uh, Party, truly, than the Libertarian National Committee, for sure. Um, it was, was very hard to, to, to digest, but why don't you tell you, you got a lot more on Lauren and the stuff that she's done since she, she, she started there. So why don't you, uh, why don't you, uh, kind of expand on some of that stuff, man? Uh, yeah, of course. So I think I agree with your observation that this was a, a dramatic and tragic overcorrection, uh, of a problem, but I don't think that, uh, I don't think that, that it only boils down to the fact that the board of directors was looking to improve optics. Uh, in the wake of, uh, of of several allegations against a former leader of a of, of a sexual nature, right? Um, I believe that the board of directors also saw in Lauren a, a sort of ideological direction that they felt like the organization would have to go in in order to survive, or maybe they maybe they didn't necessarily think that Yao would have to survive that, that Yao would have to adopt this sort of uh, ideological direction. Yeah, you know, Lauren wants to take things. Um, in order for the org to survive, right? Maybe, maybe they simply wanted the org to go in a new direction, regardless. But you know, um, creative issues popped up uh, really immediately um, as, as soon as Lauren uh, came on board. So, um, I think there was a uh, you know the first instance. Uh, this this involved uh, Liz Cheney. So you can go to Tho Bishop's Twitter page. And you can see uh, some correspondence. Uh, excuse uh, posted me, that's, to his page. that's the homie Tho Bishop. Uh, the homie Tho Bishop, homie I like Tho that. Bishop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, go ahead, sorry. No, no, it's all good, man. Uh, so um, you can go to the homie Tho Bishop's Twitter page and you can see uh, some of the correspondence uh, between uh, you know myself and Lauren uh, sent to my, my private cell phone. Um, so it was a May, it was early May. I want to say it was May the 11th, 2021 to be exact. Y'all posted the first of many tweets attacking Liz Cheney, right? Um, which is uh, what Young Americans for Liberty needed to be doing. That's like the moderate um, position. Yeah, that's like the moderate <laughs> position. Like that, that's a no-brainer yeah. to anybody who knows anything about the history and the philosophy and the values of the Ron Paul Revolution, yeah. right? I mean, Young Americans for Liberty or Students for Ron Paul was founded in opposition to the Bushes and the Cheneys. So and the my communications team, they crafted a post attacking Liz Cheney. Uh, Lauren, however, had some questions about this and pinged me with a series of texts reading, and I'll quote, My brain isn't at its best this week, but isn't what Liz Cheney is doing right now more aligned with our interests than other times? I don't see how criticizing her right now on her opposition to Trumpism is in your best interest. I frankly commend her for her courage on this one. Uh, so that was that was just otherworldly to me. Like I felt like I had just slipped into the twilight zone. Uh, to hear the CEO of Students for Ron Paul questioning my rationale for wanting my team to attack Liz Cheney, uh, a war criminal. It, it was just absolutely insane. But 
unfortunately, that was just the beginning of the problems I had. Like I said, you can see that on the Homie Throw Bishop's Twitter page. Uh, it was later that same day, uh, my communications team posted a graphic featuring a silhouette of an AR-15 with the caption, more guns, less government. Uh, Lauren then pinged me individually uh, with the following questions. Food for thought. Are images of militant-looking guns undermining us? Oh. Would images of less militant guns be better? Oh. Um, I I didn't know what to make of that. It was just bizarre. Um, you know, like the AR. She should have been, been fired on the spot, dude. On the on the right. spot. Yeah, that was. Uh, but somehow uh, she gets to keep her job at Young Americans for Liberty, and I don't. Maybe I did slip into the twilight zone there. I'm not uh, not quite sure, but. Um, it was just, you know, like AR-15s and stuff had been in Yale's branding for years prior to that. Like, you know, you saw uh, Yale's, you know, campus activists going on to colleges and holding up flags of like, you know, with a silhouette of an AR-15 and Young Americans for Liberty, hashtag make Liberty win below it, right? Um, and Ron Paul campaigned with AR-15s in, in videos that he would put out. So it, it was just like, a less militant gun than the AR, a less militant looking gun than the AR-15. Uh, really, uh, it, it was just insane. But unfortunately, all of this was just the tip of the iceberg. Long, long black gun, scary, buddy. Yeah, long black gun, scary. Exactly. Um, fast forward to early June of 2021. Uh, my communications team posted a picture of Kamala Harris laughing into a microphone with a caption reading. Find someone who laughs at your jokes the way Kamala Harris laughs at a question she doesn't know the answer to. This was a pretty harmless piece of content, as far as I could tell. I mean, attacking Kamala Harris, the, 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 if you want to think about it this way, the second in command for the White House, like that's for being an idiot, for being a person who just can't answer any question, who freezes in, in press releases, uh, and with a person with, with and a person with such a brutal hat and past, in particular on criminal justice reform, right? Um, but yeah, uh, Lauren Lauren got angry, you know, at, at at this post that my communications team had created about Kamala Harris and sent me a, ser a series of text messages ordering me to take the post down. Her justification read as follows: It looks really bad if we are calling the first non-white and female VP stupid, which is how many people will see this. Um, I fought Lauren on this, but she refused to budge. Uh, she made my team take down the post, which, as far as I was concerned, was incredibly on brand. There's no reason why, why tyrants should be off limits because of their race and their sex, as far as I could tell. Like, you know, uh, convince me if I'm wrong. Like, you know, set me straight if you think that, that maybe uh, I don't have it quite right there, Joshua, but that was just that was just insane this is a funny there's a funny joke that should i mean definitely on brand for for young americans for liberty really on brand for anybody in this country that's not a democrat to be honest with you yeah well even even most like like moderate democrats or maybe even you know left of center democrats i know uh would still be willing to criticize a candidate even if they were like a, a woman of color right? right so like this really seemed to put lauren to the left of a lot of Democrats I know who aren't necessarily happy uh, with Kamala Harris and the job that she's doing uh, or not doing uh, as vice president. So uh, that was just uh, insane. And it, unfortunately, we just kind of slipped further and further down this uh, Dante's Inferno of insanity. Uh, the more of these sort of creative conflicts that I had with Lauren over the throughout the ensuing months. So Fast forward to uh, December, or early December, um, your, your audience might remember uh, Thomas Massey tweeting out uh, a picture of him and his family with, uh, with some of these uh, very scary guns, right? Beautiful with, uh, Christmas with their machine picture. guns. Beautiful Christmas Absolutely picture. beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful picture. It was an amazing way, in my opinion, of promoting the Second Amendment, of showing pride in self-defense and gun ownership. Um, the Yao staff really felt the same way. This really seemed to galvanize our staff and our activists. Everybody loved it, but Lauren uh, seemed to find issue uh, with, with, uh, with this image. So she sent uh, an all-staff email, uh, an email to all the Al staff, basically condemning, uh, you know, um, the, 
the, the image of, of Congressman Massey and his family posing with their guns, right? She she framed it in the form of questions. And you can go to, uh, to T.J. Roberts, the homie uh, T.J. Roberts uh, Twitter page, and, and, and you guys can see this for yourselves. Um, you know, that, uh, you know, Lauren's email that she sent out to people. But, um, yeah, so she sent out an all-staff email condemning Thomas Massey's Christmas card and reminding all the Yale staff that many people find guns very scary. Um, First of all, I just want to. Yeah. I just so I want to I want to really, really drive this point home. This is Thomas Massey we're talking about. okay? and this is the, the president of the Young Americans for Liberty, at which like every conference they've ever had has had Congressman Thomas Massey at. Okay, I mean right. he's he is literally a huge supporter of Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, a Young Americans Liberty for Liberty is a huge supporter of his. He's probably, I mean, he's the only libertarian in Congress, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Um, what the fuck, dude? Like, I don't, I don't understand how it just doesn't, it cannot compute with me at all that she would say that, like, condemn a picture. It just, I, I'm lost for words here, man. I mean, these, this is, this is a, a northern light for liber, liberty politics in the United States. Thomas Massey. I mean, he is literally almost every. I've, I've probably, I could probably count on one hand the amount of votes that I've had a problem with him on, and even those right. ones, he's explained them to a, a to a degree where it's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. You right. know what I mean? And so. Yep. It just blows my mind that over a Christmas picture with his family carrying. Okay, okay, he was holding an M16. I get it. It's who gives a shit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand why of all the things that was something that she would take issue with. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Unless you were trying to turn this organization uh, in a direction that's completely opposite of what it was intended to be, what it was started to do, uh, what you. it supports. I mean, that's really what it sounds like to me. Like, like. You're trying to uh, turn this into a leftward direction. I mean, you don't. You want to attack guns. You don't want us attacking uh, the Democrats. You don't want us attacking war criminals. And it gets worse, right? Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over. Which what, what you were telling me on the phone before, I mean, there's even worse uh, things that have happened, correct? Yeah, uh, just in case your your audience thinks it can't get any worse, um, I'll guarantee you it does. Uh, it was a very long 10 months. Uh, being in my position at Young Americans for Liberty, Trying to stop this sort of uh, <clears throat> trying to stop this sort of stupidity from completely ruining uh, the organization, right? So um, it was uh, just a few days after um, after the incident with, with with Thomas Massey, Lauren emailing the staff and condemning Thomas Massey's Christmas card uh, that uh, that you know Lauren contacted me and made my team take down um, an image condemning masking children. Okay. So my team put up a graphic, um, an original graphic that they had created, and uh, like the, the image in the middle was like a stock image of like a, like a bunch of like a bunch of little kids. They looked like they were in preschool with masks on their face on their faces, and the caption that was written above this read, "The desire to mask children is evil." Okay, uh, Lauren contacted me individually. Uh, she made me take down that post because, in her opinion. Masking children is not evil. <clears throat> she actually contrasted it from the Nazis and said something to the effect of, I don't remember exactly how the text read, but she said the Nazis were evil. Masking kids isn't evil. So uh, I pushed back on her, um, told her that I, I felt like that was a really misguided uh, sort of objection on her part. Um, I mean, I it was off brand, obviously. She refused to budge. She made my team take down that post and repost it with a caption that did not say that masking children is evil. Can so imagine contrasting like that, first of all. Okay, okay, listen, 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 listen. 
Uh, AIDS sucks, but cancer cancer doesn't suck. You know what I mean? It's not as bad. So it doesn't. Yeah. It's like it's like the Nazis. Nazis were evil. So uh, hitting your kid with a baseball bat isn't evil. Like that doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever. It's it's child abuse first of all. I've only put a mask on my children when it's like absolutely they have to be masked to go somewhere they wanted to go. You know what I mean? And, and like Disney World, we were in Disney World in October, and anytime we were inside, we all had to wear a mask, or we couldn't have stayed at Disney World. And I wanted to take my kids to Disney World, so we did. You know what I mean? Um, but saying saying that. How, uh, she like has she done other things in support of the COVID regime? Um, as far as things that that Lauren has done in favor of the COVID regime, um, there are matters I'm not completely kosher. It's it's good for me to share uh, quite yet here, Joshua. Um, so I'm not sure that I can give all that extensive on an answer. But even if we exclude. Um, other things where Lauren has been really horrible on the COVID regime, um, you know, just for the sake of you know me understanding what I what I can communicate with the public right now and what I probably shouldn't be communicating, at least not quite yet. Um, it gets a lot worse. It gets a lot worse. I, I guarantee it. Um, so it was uh, around the same time as this whole ordeal. I actually, I believe this was around Christmas Eve, this next instance. Um Lauren ordered my communications team to take down a meme that we had created. It was uh, kind of Christmas themed and it featured Joe Biden like on a grill. OK, and it said a uh, liar on a fryer. OK, uh, it was uh, it was you know, one of my one of my uh, clowns on my uh, on my comms team. He created this. We all thought it was funny. Uh, Lauren contacted me individually and made me take down this meme calling Joe Biden a liar because she didn't think that we needed to be calling politicians liars. Huh. Um, I, I'm here to say, like, if students for Ron Paul can't call politicians liars, like, what can we do? Like, what, what, like any organization, a political organization, that can't even call a politician a liar, like, that's, how, how can such an organization make any meaningful impact on the world of politics? Well, the, I, I the don't think it's, it's, Possible. This organization that was started in the name of the man who, during his uh, retirement address, called Congress a bunch of psychopaths on the congressional floor. Uh, yep. Hello. I mean, it, it, Dr. No was the one man that was willing to go into the congr in, into Congress and call everybody liars. He was the one. He was the one that was willing to do it. And you can't call politician li liar from the organization that was started in his name. Fuck it out nope. of here. No, uh, we couldn't. Uh, you know, so like, I guess liar was just too strong of language uh, in Ms. Doherty's opinion for young Americans to be using, for young Americans for liberty to be using in any sort of an external correspondence. So uh, we were just having our hands cuffed, you know, in one way after another, you know, so that, um, you know, like, I'm glad that we were still able to produce content despite all of this that people seemed to like and resonate with. But I can tell you, it stopped us from achieving a lot of other things along the way. Um, another instance, this was uh, the day after Christmas, December 26th, 2021. Uh, my team posted um, an old, like an old patriotic painting of three revolutionary soldiers uh, marching out into a battlefield against uh, British soldiers, right? Like one of them was like uh, beating on a snare drum. Another one was playing a flute and another one was like waving the flag. Um, and this is this is just an old classic, you know, patriotic uh, painting. Right. Um, and the caption above it said the way things are looking, we might have to get the band back together. Uh, Lauren then contacted me individually and ordered me to take the take that meme down because she felt like that an image of the American Revolution could be misinterpreted to advocate political violence. Um, I have the receipts on this. Um, so like that rule, such a rule meant that the overwhelming majority of imagery from the American Revolution was no longer something that, that my team could share. Um, and this was just insane. This was just awful. Um, it really it really crushed my morale. It crushed my team's morale. Um, it, it really capped our potential uh, for what we were able to create, capped our potential on a lot of levels. I mean, when you can't call politicians liars, you can't celebrate the Second Amendment. You, you got to be careful about how you talk about war. Uh, you can't you can't celebrate the American Revolution. 
uh, you know, what can you do? Right. Um, so th that was just uh, utterly, utterly absurd. Uh, there, there's one more instance uh, that I'll go into, uh, you know, for your audience here. So um, this was uh, several months ago. My team posted uh, an image uh, condemning a drone strike in 2019 uh, that, that killed 80 civilians, right? And uh, Lauren, uh, I don't think that she actually made us take down this particular post, but uh, she contacted me individually and said that she had serious problems with the way that we had framed this graphic, with, like you know, the, the, the language that we used surrounding it, because... Um, it's like, you know, we, we were condemning the U.S. military, uh, what she felt like was unfairly, and that, and I quote, most of these are usually accidents, meaning drone strikes. Most drone strikes are usually accidents. Uh, sorry, mo most, civi most civilian deaths uh, because of drone strikes are usually accidents. Well, no kidding. They're, mo no kidding they're accidents. That's what makes them so awful. Um, so that's, that was just insane. Like, my team had to tiptoe around how we could criticize civilian civilians getting killed by drones because Lauren Doherty felt like we might be insensitive towards the military, towards the Pentagon, towards, you know, the war machine, whatever else. So we couldn't, we couldn't approach very many issues in any sort of meaningful way, in any way that aligned with the values of the Ron Paul revolution. So what I've shared uh, so far, all of these instances, th this is just a taste of what the communications team at Yale and I uh, had to deal with um, my last 10 months there. And for all I know, the communications team at Yale is still having to deal with nonsense uh, just like this. Sure, sure. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm sure they are. And it's going to continue that way. And the more people they bring on uh, in that vein the more the whole organization is going to become that way. And we, you know, we saw this with the, with the Cato Rothbard split, right. And, and, uh, and the libertarian party, you know, the libertarian party started out as a, a, you know, you could say right wing or whatever you want, but they were staunchly libertarian and they were economically libertarian. And, uh, and it kind of floated away from that after, you know, especially into 2000, 2004, saw Michael Badnarik as the presidential candidate. And from there, it was uh, Bob Barr and and then the Gary Johnson runs. And, and it's kind of going back because of the Mises caucus to the to the Rothbard side of things. But, um, I, you know, I really look at this like the conquests uh, second rule of politics. And, you know, and your organization was this beautiful organization that was ready to go and take on the, the left in America, really, you know, and, uh, and now it's going to start becoming the left. I mean, what, right. what do you, what do you think? What do you think people should do, uh, in this, in this instance? What do you, what do you think people should do with young Americans for Liberty at this point? Okay. Well, um, I can tell you that, uh, I spent the last 10 months of my time at Yale feeling like I was not fighting tyrants outside of the org. I felt like I had to fight tyrants inside the org every single day. I felt like my impact on the American political landscape had been diminished to relatively nothing because I was having to spend time overcoming just all of these unnecessary obstacles from inside the organization. Um, I'll be very blunt with your audience. I don't believe that Young Americans for Liberty can be saved uh, from its fate. Um, I believe that the Ron, I don't believe that the Ron Paul revolution died the moment I was terminated. I believe that the Ron Paul revolution died in that org the moment that Lauren Doherty was hired as CEO, right? Um, and I don't believe that there's, and it, it breaks my heart to say this because I put years of my life into that company and I had a very, very uh, clear vision for what I, I was hoping that it could become. Um, I don't believe that there's any, any reviving the Ron Paul revolution inside that organization. Uh, I believe that what we need to do is we need to understand exactly uh, what went wrong inside of Young Americans for Liberty that caused an organization that was originally founded to be based, as you described it a little while ago, to become this squishy, uh, neoconservative, woke, Nick Sarwark just oh. bastardization of itself that it is today. We have to understand what went wrong institutionally, internally. And I, I believe that it's time that we build new institutions, uh, that we build new efforts, we build new organizations if we have to, 
or that Ron Paul revolution can be kept alive because any attempt to return to the to the values of the Ron Paul revolution uh, in Yao's social media content and its earned media content, I believe will be nothing more than symbolic gestures designed to save face. I do not believe that there is any sort of uh, deep-seated, firm conviction among the people running that organization, uh, whether it's the board of directors, uh, including the founder of the company, Mr. Jeff Frazee, uh, or among the remaining uh, members of the executive team in the Ron Paul revolution. I, I simply don't believe that. As a person who dealt with this every single day, who endured countless sleepless nights over it, month after month after month, uh, I don't believe that our efforts are best spent trying to trying to identify various institution, you know, various institutional recourses uh, with which we can correct this situation uh, inside that that org. I don't think that I don't think it's realistic. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that now is the time to diagnose what went wrong with Young Americans for Liberty, um, and let's carry this Ron Paul revolution elsewhere. Um, I firmly believe that I, I gave it my all at Young Americans for Liberty, trying to protect that place uh, from this from this outcome. Um, it obviously didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. But my advice is do not let this do not become convinced for a single second that what's happened to Young Americans for Liberty constitutes a defeat of liberty. Do not give up. Do not give in this country, this world. It needs liberty more than it has in generations, uh, and we cannot let that movement die because one organization got taken over by the most worthless and the weakest branch of this movement. We cannot allow this to mean the end of liberty in this country as we know it. This fight has to continue. The fight for liberty is an eternal fight, and it is on us to figure out exactly how that, that carries on. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, there are some other good places for people to land as well. And, and you know, I, I don't know. Obviously, I'm a member of the Mises Caucus and the Libertarian Party. I've been a, you know, I've been a supporter of the Mises Caucus since 2017. It's become this great big organization with thousands of people around the country that's doing great things. Uh, but there is a Mises Caucus for the Republican Party now as well. I don't know if you've if you're familiar with that. Uh, pretty pretty cool stuff, man, to see, you know, that, that the Mises uh, uh, Caucus thing is catching on and um, you know, if, in my opinion, if you look, if you don't support the Libertarian Party, if you're a Libertarian or a Liberty based uh, uh, person who's involved in politics and you absolutely 100 percent cannot support the Libertarian Party, I get it, man. You know what I mean? Like, I totally understand that it's just something that you, you know, some people just can't do it. They can't. And maybe five, ten years down the road when, when the, the, the caucus has completely taken over the party and made it uh, this wonderful outlet for liberty and we start getting politicians that are ready to run for these offices and doing the right thing, uh, then, then maybe you can. But right now, if you can't, you should join the Mises Caucus and the Republican Party. You know what I mean? And, and make that the new young, young – make that the new Ron Paul movement, man. You know what I mean? Well, I can tell you that it's something that, that I would consider. I would I would also just advise your audience to be aware that the the Nick Sarwarks and the Joe Bishop Henchmans that are being displaced from the LNC are finding homes elsewhere. Right. And so wherever we go, we have to be on the defensive. We have to put up the right vanguards. I think that uh, we probably should uh, be be extremely selective with who we allow into our ranks. So like the leadership at Young Americans for Liberty today those trying to save face inside the organization and pretend like their organization is not under the direct influence of the LNC, they'll probably argue that I was just too puristic, that I had too high of standards for who the CEO should be or what they should believe in, right? But I'm here to say that my only standard was that the CEO of Students for Ron Paul should actually believe in the Ron Paul revolution. And if that's too much of a purity test for anybody, then they don't belong anywhere in this movement. They don't belong anywhere close to this movement. And that's exactly the kind of person that we should be keeping at arm's length. Right. No, I agree. And, and 
you know, as somebody who I got involved with the Libertarian Party to fight Nick Sarwark. I mean, that was really what it was. It was that that wing, um, you know, had been a member of the I had been a, a registered libertarian since 2010. And that's what I think a lot of people in the party don't understand. They're like, they're like, oh, you're a Republican. You came from the Republicans. I'm like, yeah, in 2010. Like, this is, you know what I mean? 20, this is 12 years ago. 12 years ago, I did that. I did that long before I did that before Nick Sarwark was the chair of the party. You know, and so so I wanted a party that I that that wasn't embarrassing to me anymore, and so that's that's why I di- started doing what I've I've done and started fighting Nick, the Nick Sarwarks of the party, and they are leaving, and they are going to go other places, and you do have to watch out for Nick Sarwark and his wedge squared institute thing that he's trying to get all involved in all kinds of different campaigns around the country, and uh, you you do you should definitely one hundred percent make sure that at every turn you are opposing these people. Period, because they are the they are the oh God the, the infiltrators, right? They're the yes, ones. They're the enemies from within. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, with friends like Nick Sarwark and Joe Bishop Henchman, I mean, who who even needs enemies? Who even needs the state? Right? Exactly. But um, yeah, it's and just in case we need to connect any more dots, helping the audience understand that this is in fact a, a Sarwarkian takeover, uh, so to speak. Um, let's keep in mind, just like Joshua said at the beginning of the show, um, Lauren is, is, is a close friend of Joe Bishop Henchman. Um, it's also been documented, and this is public knowledge, that, uh, that Lauren Doherty uh, contributed to Bill Weld's 2020 presidential campaign. Uh, this was after Bill Weld abandoned the Libertarian Party after he had used them. Uh, and this was long after Bill Weld went on TV on MSNBC and vouched for Hillary Clinton, right. said that she was, uh, in his opinion, uh, a good person and, and that his foreign policy seems to align with hers. Right. So that that's who Lauren supported for 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 president in 2020. Just a matter, you know, not that long before she she came in uh, as CEO of Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, that helps explain a lot of the sort of uh, horrible decision making Um it, you know, horrible in my opinion. That helps explain a lot of the, a lot of the vision uh, that they have. Whenever we grapple with that, uh, that helps us understand why this is such a, you know, why this is such a hideous admixture of like wokeism and neoconservatism. A lot of people might even be tempted to say something to the effect of, well, you know, I'm hearing narratives that yeah, I was going neoconservative, and I'm hearing um, rumors that it's going woke. So which one is it? But look at what the LNC was doing in 2015, 2016, under the entirety of the leadership of Nick Sarwark leading up until the present point, the kind of stuff that Joshua has been fighting. Um, and it helps us make sense of a lot of, of the, 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 these terrible things that we're seeing happen to Yell. And I'll also say that, you know, it's no coincidence that I was the first chess piece uh, to get knocked down, right? Uh, in this sort of uh, in this fight happening inside of Yale, I You're mean, the communications guy, man. I was the communications guy. If you want to rip out the soul of Young Americans for Liberty, you uh, and you want to turn it into something different, you 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 have to start with communications. You have to start with the brand. Um, th- th- I mean, ask yourself if there were a hostile takeover of Young Americans for Liberty being orchestrated by by members of the LNC by the LNC establishment. How would it look and how different would it look from what is already taking place right now? Probably not much different. If right. at all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I would just want to bring up that it's, it's, this isn't a problem that, in my opinion, Young Americans for Liberty can fire its way out of. Uh, this is this is an endemic problem in which the organization has been corrupted from root to stem, in my opinion. Um, so it's, it's come out on Twitter, uh, thanks to, uh, thanks to the, uh, the great TJ Roberts, that uh, a member of the Yale Board of Directors, um, an individual who many people believe handpicked Lauren Doherty uh, for the position directly, that this member of the Board of Directors of Yale donated to a congressional candidate named Julie Oliver. Julie Oliver was a Bernie-endorsed candidate for Congress oh, in 2019, shit. running openly on a campaign of Medicare for all. Um, that is the kind of influence that you have on the board of directors. Like, like imagine, imagine me having to go to a court 
full of people who are a combination of 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 of, of ideologies from across the political spectrum and having to argue that uh, that this CEO doesn't fit the values of of this organization, right? Well, of course, I'm just going to look like some sort of irascible, puristic, uh, angry, resentful um, executive, right? Right. So, um, yeah, it's that's the kind of influence that you have on the board of directors, um, an institution inside of Yale that is virtually unaccountable. Um, it's it's a, it's incredibly difficult to hold uh, an entire board of directors accountable uh, for 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 bad decisions that were made. It just is. So between a board of directors that is just, com- in my opinion, completely and totally um, misaligned with the values of the Ron Paul Revolution, and just in a myriad of ways, between a CEO who clearly, um, in my opinion, doesn't get it, as as I think that we've demonstrated. Uh, on this show, uh, and uh, and something else that I want to bring up here in just a minute, there is uh, th- there really looks to be absolutely no hope inside that organization of correcting course and getting back on the right track. So it's been widely observed that uh, that in the last few months, in particular, Lauren Doherty has been finding ways to bring uh, more of her sort of LP cronies into the fabric of the organization creating jobs for them if necessary and bringing in her friends from within the libertarian party of course. Uh, to come in to start off with at least fairly high ranking positions. Um, so you actually have the board of directors, which has been corrupted, the executive team, which has been corrupted with the hiring of Mr. Steinhauser and others. And now you have, you have staffers, um, you know, sort of, you know, junior staffers uh, within the organization that Lauren has put there seemingly for the purpose of diluting the values of the organization altogether. So um, I just want to reiterate my point from several minutes ago. I don't believe that, that students for Ron Paul is salvageable as a person who, who took arrows day after day after day until my last arrow could be taken uh, last Monday, February the 7th. As a person who fought this inside the organization harder than anyone else in the history of the company, I believe that that we have the responsibility of of carrying the Ron Paul revolution to to new horizons, building new institutions where it can be protected, taking that torch um, and setting new brush fires of liberty for it. Um, But, you know, yes, that's responsibility, but it's also a very uh, exciting opportunity that we should feel glad, you know, that, that we get to do that, you know, that we should feel fortunate that we get to be alive to do. Uh, to take this, uh, you know, this amazing revolution, this 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 philosophy, forged out of centuries of opposition to tyranny, we should really appreciate, um, and you know, the, the opportunity to take that to to new levels. Sure, yeah, absolutely, man. Well, brother, that's a lot of information for everyone to process. I think, and it's uh, it's it, it's it's just crazy to me because y'all seem like such a staunch like stalwart i mean it wasn't going anywhere that was just going to continue to grow and become this great outlet and organization and uh it's really sad to hear man very very sad uh and, and i i hope that you know i don't i don't know if it can be saved like like you said it it sounds like it probably can't so i hope that somebody finds uh, a good place for everyone to land because that's a lot of people man that's a lot of people that put yep. in a lot of work all over this country and uh that's it's yep. it's rough dude um but brother i appreciate you coming on man we're definitely at an hour now uh where can people find you support you listen to you watch you all that great stuff sure uh the best place to find me is on twitter uh at uh, j reed cooley j r e e d c o o l e y uh or on instagram uh, at reed cooley cool cool well thanks again for coming on man and uh i hope that whoever picks you up knows what they got it's a it's a you know you, you put in a lot of work for this movement and uh we all owe great debt of uh, gratitude to to you sir so thank you thank you joshua yeah absolutely give me one second i'll get the show closed out brother all right guys another awesome episode of break the cycle go support reed cooley the guy's awesome uh, if you have an organization that needs some communications, definitely hit that guy up. <clears throat> Mises Caucus, uh, great guy. Uh, definitely did not deserve to be fired from Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, if you're still working with Young Americans for Liberty, uh, I hope you fight. 
I hope you fight uh, uh, to, to keep your organization the way it was supposed to be, the way it was meant to be, uh, founded as the Students for Ron Paul. That carries a lot of weight with me as a guy who you know, came to this movement through Ron Paul in 2008 uh, and came full circle and got an endorsement from Ron Paul last year very publicly. Uh, you know that that anything Ron Paul is near and dear to my heart. So go support that man uh, and fight for that organization. And if you can't, then find a good place to land that your uh, your expertise will be um, uh, will get the gratitude that it deserves. Uh, guys, go check out toplofsta.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get this great Break the Cycle pillow that you see on my couch every night uh, so that you too can cuddle with a piece of the Break the Cycle set when you watch my shows uh, at least once or twice a week recently. But we will get back to four or five nights a week, I promise you, especially when the campaign's over. Um, but go check out toplofsta.com. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Or guys, please think about going